0: I have a ballpark idea where I'm going.
1: We're going to the ballpark? Can we go to the ballpark yet? Yeah, I'm ready. It's been two years. Oh, I'd love to go to a ballpark. That'd be nice. A little corn dog?
0: Put me in coach. I'm ready to play today. Oh. Today.
2: I, I could so go for a ballpark corn dog. Beer behind the dugout.
0: Come on. Welcome to the Financial Independence Garage, where we share the tools to improve your finances and unfold the roadmap to financial independence.
1: Got it. it! Wow, that was a struggle today. Good for you. Welcome to the show. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah.
0: it's I'm gonna have to add in the first two minutes of banter, not the first 15 seconds. I <laughs> the, the
1: Hey, show. it's all available on YouTube, uncut, unedited, That's raw true. FI Garage action. I had to edit the accountant for the last episode. <laughs> Why would I do? Ah, <laughs> uh, you're bashing different groups. Whose round are we drinking today? Tyler from Manitoba. No Tyrell Tyrell. Oh Tyrell. Sorry Tyrell. Okay. Sorry
0: Tyrell. Cheers. Thank you for the round Tyrell. Now the suggestion was that we go out and shop for our favorite beers. Right. Right. Quick note to listeners. Some of you enjoy the beer section. Some of you not so much. I'm just giving you a heads up. This could be five minutes of beer section. So feel free <laughs> to skip ahead. Because <laughs> there's going to be definitely three, beer section. There's three different beers coming up and there's going to be some discussion. So feel free. We won't be offended if you skip ahead. Uh, we, we'll give you a number in the show notes to skip past the beer part of this show. But there's also, I know there's a <laughs> bunch of people the out section. there. There's a bunch of people out there that are cracking beers that do enjoy this part of it. So we stay st- true to our original cause, which is drinking beers and then talking finance.
1: Or talking finance while drinking beers. Yeah, exactly.
0: It's all part and parcel.
1: Now, yeah. listen. So, what do you boys got? Ah, oh, this was this was such
0: a tough one. I'll show you the picture. I had to do a pre-show beer, which is why I'm so animated to fi- figure out because I I bought three different kinds. <laughs> three? You,
1: you'd had three beers before the show? <laughs> no, I had to share them with my wife. Luckily, it was happy hour, so so like, one and a half beers. <laughs> I'm I'm <having> feeling good. <laughs> Yeah, the problem is I all, see that
0: all my favorite beers are like over 6%. It's lit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll start. Uh, because, uh, yeah, because I want to. I narrowed it down. And okay, before I actually give this away, we, we sat, my wife and I sat and chatted about this because that's a pretty tough call to say your favorite beer, because this yeah. is an evolution. It changes. Does it matter where you are in the world? Does it matter? Depends on the weather. The weather, right? So it's hard to call. But I did come up with my favorite beer.
1: Did you uh, Did you include 88 Brewing in the taste test? Because that was a tasty beer we had the other day.
0: It, well, I remember every beer I've ever had.
1: No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I re- <laughs> never- can especially, you just get on with it and tell us what the, the damn beer Especially the ones after is? about 6 p.m. You don't remember any of those. <laughs> we got time. It's <laughs> early. It's still 5. No.
0: So my, world, my worldwide beer is Guinness. Okay. And the reason I say that is because I do really, truly, actually like Guinness. I really enjoy it. And I've had it in just about every country I've traveled to. One thing you can always find is an Irish bar in just about every country. So yep. you can always, like, if you get somewhere, like I sat in... Cusco in the Andes in Peru and there's an Irish bar and I tried their local beers. Cause there's actually some micro brews up there and I'm like, Oh, I'm an Irish bar, the highest Irish bar in the world. So better have a Guinness here. Right. And I genuinely think Guinness is my favorite beer because you can get it everywhere in the world. And they had it in the air Canada lounges. Remember when we could travel and you could get that boys. So you're drinking Guinness. No, I'm
2: not. I'm drinking. <laughs> that was the longest, <laughs> the longest explanation to get to Guinness ever. I am drinking Category 12. And he's drinking Category 12 juicy <laughs> data. This is
0: a horrible start to this show. What are you doing? <laughs> it's it's unusual for you to be chirping me about how bad the show quality is.
1: <laughs> you do like the hazy IPAs, don't you?
0: Yeah. Well, see, this was part of the taste test this afternoon. And do I get to read the blurb? Because we got five minutes yeah, yeah. of beer chat. Exactly. i reading the blurb, right? Okay. So. Yeah. Problem is, it's dark in the FI garage here. So this is Category 12 brewed on Vancouver Island. It is a hazy IPA that pumps in at 6.1% ABV, and it says beer worth leaving your career for. So it actually fits pretty well with our message here, boys. Nice. That's true. Get drunk and get fi. <laughs> in a van down by the river. I got a story for that coming up, too. This is kind of an episode all about a lot of the stories we've had. (laughs) Okay, So the blurb is, we have meticulously blended four luscious hop varieties to squeeze the maximum possible tropical fruit juiciness out of our enormous hop additions. You'll find this naturally hazy, double dry hopped IPA to be a delicious, aromatic, fruity kick in the taste buds that will keep you coming back for more. So there you go, boys.
2: That's enough out of you. Yeah, it's enough out of him for sure.
0: It's nice and hazy. No, let me finish. Nice and hazy. Oh, let's get that cheap glass out of the way. There, thrift store yep. glasses are the best for Sam.
1: Do we have the power to mute him for the rest of this episode? No, he's in charge. <laughs> Damn it. Of the muting. So, I'm kind of pissed off because I figured you guys would give me a hard time if I selected, you know, something like uh, pill or lucky, and then, uh, yep. which I, I wouldn't. But then in the beer store, I saw uh Dosaki Double X. And if the mechanic was seriously considering Guinness, then I could have seriously considered the Doseki Double X. But, alas, I went with Dark Matter from Hoyne. Oh, that's
2: always tasty.
1: This is good on its own or with Fat Tug. Ah, the Rudy. As a Rudy. Yes.
0: The Rudy is a very nice beverage. So, the Fat Tug is a Very hoppy IPA, and you mix them together in the same glass. That's, I just want to get this out because people aren't going to know what a Rudy is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Same glass, about 50 50. You can have a light Rudy or a dark Rudy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it sounds crazy, but it's delicious. Half sounds crazy, but it works. Half dark matter, and it is a delight. Yeah. So, dark matter is the only beer we make, point, where we don't say on the bottle what style it is. This is for a very good reason. Even we don't know. It is more easily described by what it isn't. It's not as roasted as a stout, nor is it as sweet or high in alcohol as a porter. And don't even mention brown ale in the same breath. Like the Northern Lights, it is seductively elusive, bringing the mystery of the universe into your glass. Cheers, boys. Nice. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.
2: All right. So I have one of my favorites uh, also from travels back in the day. I have the Koning Ludwig beer
0: oh very nice
2: this goes back to being my favorite beer because when I was 16 my <laughs> brother was much older than me and he was living <laughs> in Germany and somehow my parents allowed me to travel by myself to Germany to go meet my brother and I spent that summer drinking this and uh, traveling around Europe with my brother
0: not that we're condoning nice. underage drinking at all but
1: <laughs> it's not underage in Europe
0: that's, that's nope. fair that's fair well, good job bringing out uh, the the Weiss beer. That's a nice one. There's uh, quite a few over there in Europe that I've tried too that are just delicious Hefeweiss and Weiss beers. I guess they're a little bit oh, different. Yeah, they it's make not it a half it's a, it's a Weiss, but they're just delicious.
2: Yeah, the Weiss beers are amazing.
0: Definitely very summery. Yeah, well, interesting how we all kind of actually picked an international type beer as well, right? Because I felt this challenge, I felt like it was a challenge, right? It's so yeah. difficult because I'm like well, what's my favorite beer? I'm like, it's not generally the beer that I buy most frequently because that's just a beer that I enjoy the taste of. The price point is good. And I know I can get it in like every liquor store on Vancouver Island. So that doesn't make it my favorite though, right? No. Whereas this one, it's like yeah. four pack of tall cans is relatively pricey here now on the island. So I'm like, juicy data, I love it. Am I going to buy it every time I'm there? No, definitely not. It's kind of like a treat, right? So it's like, oh, I really enjoy yeah. having it. So it, it, I, th- I felt it was like a tough choice, right? And Economist, you picked a good one because Dark Matter, we have it at the Curling Club. You know, we'd, we'd pick up a, a six pack of that. And it's a, it's a nice budget beer that's available everywhere now on the island. Have you seen it on the mainland at all? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it's over here on the mainland. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So thanks, Tyrell cheers yeah There's cheers tyrell fun. appreciate it tyrell cheers and what's awesome too is we got three totally different types and colors and and none of us yeah. would really disagree if we if we were in person we passed it you'd be like okay next beer is dark matter next beer is a white beer next beer is a juicy yeah tana. they're all fantastic
1: yeah that's right time and place for each one right yeah you know you know the worst part accountant
0: is since you and i are Going down the whole brewing rabbit hole. I was picking up our ingredients today, and I and I and I. My second my second beer, which is an honorable mention, is Squirrel Chaser from um, Yellow Dog Brewing oh, yes. over in in Deep Cove, right? So of course I'm doing the pre show sampling to try and determine which one is my favorite. My wife is the happiest person in the house right now because <laughs> we have these beers for me to try and decide. And I said to her, I said, "This got a bit more of a piney note to it. I think that's the uh, Simcoe hops in there." And she just looks at me and she's like you're turning into a beer nerd. (laughs) I only knew that. I only knew that because when I picked up the ingredients today, the guy's like, Oh, you should check out Simcoe and Sativa. And I'm like, Oh yeah. You and I have been down a YouTube rabbit hole on brewing in the last 10 days.
1: Yeah.
2: There's a little too much to learn on the brewing front. That's for sure.
1: I kind of hope that you guys bring, step up the beer analysis game on FI garage. We're going we'll, we'll to have to work on it.
2: I think we need to get on to non-beer topic here at some point.
1: <laughs> yeah, What what's this show about? Uh, interestingly enough, not much.
0: <laughs> I Well, okay, so we're kind of in between right now. First of all, I'd like to do a little correction or maybe not a correction, but an acknowledgement to uh, maybe an, an addendum uh, to our ETF episode where we talked about U.S. international and emerging. I got a fantastic feedback from a listener, and they brought up that depending which funds you hold together with international and emerging, developed and emerging. Sorry, developed and emerging. You may be either omitting holdings or you may be doubling up on them. Right. So I I just want to bring that up quickly at the beginning here. And this is kind of a hodgepodge show where we're going to try and talk, we're going to talk about a bunch of different things. uh, So stay with us. Now, the article that I was sent is a really good one. It's by, of course, none other than Justin Bender at PWL Capital. Those guys are super smart over there, and we really appreciate all the research they do, so we can sound half as smart by regurgitating it. <laughs> <laughs> it was basically, the title of the article is Combining International and Emerging Market Markets Equity ETFs. You know, it was economists, you and I were responsible for this section, and we kind of both drop the ball a little bit and, and kind of missed this distinction because the funds that we talked about are actually in this article. So we do appreciate that shout out to correct
1: us. And I think we should just bring it up. But uh, not not necessarily we weren't necessarily wrong. We weren't wrong. We just missed no we just missed yeah. a major point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a
0: major point. I mean Korea's not that major, is it? it uh, <laughs> depends. It depends how you feel about it. Yeah, it could be major. Samsung's a pretty big company. Hun- they- Hyundai's Korean as well, isn't it? There's some big, big industry, big company. Yep. Yeah. So okay. So this is the point, right? Economist, you uh, you want to fill me in here a little bit while I have wet my palate. Listen,
1: you- fill you in about what the point? Okay. Yeah, the point. Well, read the article. This point. That's not how the show works. You got
0: to no? tell them what, no, because nobody's going to go read the article.
2: It, it depends on when you're picking between developed and emerging, different companies will decide different countries are emerging or developed. So the whole point of the article was that I think it was iShares considers Korea developed, whereas Vanguard considers it emerging or vice versa. Okay, just
0: ho- stop right there because the, the, you're right. I just want to bring up an important point that you may or may not be getting to is that there's two different ways the indexes are built, right? We talked about the MSCI, but we totally dropped the ball and didn't talk about the FTSE,
1: Which is just another company who's doing the same thing as Morgan Stanley, right? Exactly. But so the point
0: is, as the accountant was saying, which you're right, is Korea, which is a big one, right? For the FTSE is considering it developed- and the MSCI is con- considering emerging and the important point that to note here is that the FTSE is iShares and the MSCI is Vanguard. So I, I like that he cuts me off to
1: say while the same he thing. He asks me to do the explanation, <laughs> yeah, right? To tell me exactly where I was going with the point. <laughs> exactly. It's nice. And yes. I'm going to come in at the end with the uh the point of the whole thing is don't mix Vanguard with with iShares, right? That's yeah. the, the crux of the whole discussion. Oh, I can speak
0: good. Uh, you're right, economist. Good point. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I think if you're going to mix them, understand what you're mixing. Like, right.
1: Maybe you want to exclude or double up on Korea. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Who knows? But yeah. I, it was a really good point. I'm glad the listener brought it up. We do appreciate that because we are definitely not experts because this is for entertainment purposes only.
1: Who is that? It was a listener. Yeah, what listener?
0: I'm not sure if I'm allowed to divulge.
1: I thought we could give out first names. Was it Justin? Bender? (laughs) (laughs) Justin Bender's listening. Cheers. (laughs) Yeah. Please let us know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, the likelihood of that is very slim. Eh, Yeah, whatever. Uh, Anyway, good point. Good thing to understand. And that's been clarified. Moving right along. And... Please jump in here because I don't want to run the show all the time. If you've got articles that you found this week that you want to talk about, boys.
1: I thought we got rid of in the news section like a year ago. This isn't in the news. It's the whole episode is in the news. We haven't told the people what the episode is. Isn't it uh, stages of investing or something? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) guess. Wasn't it your idea? Did you do any research? What do you need research for? Isn't it an opinion thing?
0: It's definitely opinion, but it's got to be based in a little bit of factual area.
1: Right.
2: I thought the whole show was me getting pissed at you for what you said in our text conversation that I completely disagree with.
1: Yeah. What what did you say in our text conversation when you brought up this this show idea that is your show idea that you don't want to do, apparently? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so what you said, Mr. Mechanic,
2: is you said, I bet you there's nobody out there that just puts a million dollars into VTI and calls it good. And I completely and utterly disagree with that point because I bet you there are a ton of people out there that put all of their money into a US total market or the S&P 500 and call it a day and don't do anything
1: else with it. Isn't there a whole book on that? Yes. Yes, there is. What what was that book called? I believe it's The Simple Path to Wealth, isn't it? Yeah, a fairly big book in the FI community, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. You get you're sure you're not mistaking VTI with VTSAX, right? Same, I'm a similar. It's the same thing, pretty much the same. A big index
2: fund. I'm just saying VTI because that's how you'd have to own it in Canada because we don't have access to VTSAX. Well, we have VUN. Yeah. VTI is the U.S. dollar denoted
1: VUN. You're you're pulling at straws. <laughs> he did say a U.S. index, and then right. there's other people who are probably all in on a total world index, right?
0: I'm glad the accountant segued into what I wanted to talk about, about
1: withholding taxes and holding VTI <laughs> instead of VUN. That's, aren't we at like step seven of stages of investing? <laughs> okay, before this goes completely sideways, you're right. I wanted to talk about stages
0: of investing because, and all of these things that we're actually, these sideliners that we're talking about, and I do want to bring up a little about, about withholding taxes, is that... They become important at certain parts of your journey in investment and to FI and your education, and all the rest of it. So that's where I think the thought for the this episode was, is that when you're starting off, when you're at the beginning, when you're sub 20,000, 50,000, like pick a number, it's okay down in that five-figure range. What about the zero-figure range? The point that I was trying to bring up when we were chatting earlier was that the important part is to get started right, and keep it very simple Mm -hmm. and and keep it so that you feel confident about it and you can continue to move forwards. And if it's an all-in-one, well, I'll bring that question up later about that other all-in-one that we were going to talk about, the ESG one, but you're confident putting money into one place that's simple, that helps you move forward in your investing journey.
1: Or- if you want to start out with your money in a bunch of places, I think it's just important to start out. Exactly. And and that's what I regret. And I'm sure you do too, Money Mechanic. is Totally. Yeah. You know, at one point it was like, well, what's $25 a week or something, right? Yep. What's this pissant amount of money? If I save it, it's not going to do anything. Not going to make me rich. Well, it actually will, right? It'll get you on the way. Yes. Yes, it will. Yeah. There's a big difference here,
0: right? Is you need to understand the difference between $25 a week or a month that you want to save or that you want to invest. Sure. Right? You have to know the time frame of your money. Right. If you're putting it away for five plus years, invest it. Yep. If it's less than five years and you're going to need it for a particular reason, whether it's house, car, vacation, whatever cost it is, you need to protect that capital, right? So if you've made the decision that you're ready to invest, totally agree with you, economists. It's like, just
1: get it started. No, not if. Do make the decision that yeah, you're do, ready to yeah. invest. Yeah, yeah, yeah right? exactly. If, if, you're yeah. At, if you're at zero, make the decision as soon as possible. My point
0: with this starting at zero thing is is keep it super simple, right? Because I think I definitely went down, okay, I didn't know anything, right? When we moved back to Canada, I knew nothing about investing. I had money in tangerine funds, which are mutual funds that were super easy to buy. It cost me $0. I already had some savings in Tangerine. So I was like, oh, well, I obviously should be invested, I guess. I know nothing. So I just was, I had the their equivalent of their balanced fund and their growth fund. Because I'm like, well, I don't know if I want growth or balance, right? But I know I should do something. And I had those for a year, year and a half or so as I started start learning about the investment side of it. And once I learned a bit more, I was like, you know what, maybe the TD, E-series mutual funds are better for me. I can still do those for free and I can, you know, get a little bit better at this. The The point that is, that's the early stages. And when people are there, I tried Simple too, a little later on when I knew more, but Simple is a great way too to just fire your money in. You know, it's safe, it's diversified, start the ball rolling, get in the hat, build the habit. Mm-hmm. The discussion that I wanted to have tonight is around that getting it started habit and rolling with it, and then realizing as your journey progresses, there are stages to this that you can take other turns, you can choose other things if you choose to. And the accountant's trying to pick on me because I said how many people get to a million dollars and just have only have ever held VEQT or VTI. I you you purposely tried to pick on me because you're right. Yes, I did. There absolutely are people that did that, and there's nothing wrong with that.
1: No. And you're right. It, it's different options open up to you. You don't have to take them. No, exactly. And that's
2: all my whole point was that there are people who they don't want to learn anymore. Yep. And you'll be completely fine. If you have a million dollars in VEQT or VBAL or VGRO or any of those, the iShares equivalent, whatever you want, you'll be fine. Yeah, And I get what you're saying is that there are different stages once you start to learn more. But my point was that not everybody wants to learn more.
1: And, and they may want to learn more in different areas. They may want to optimize their spending more. They may want to increase their income by learning more about their career or their side hustle, right? Like, it doesn't have to be investing. Start a business. Yeah. Start a business I can agree with,
0: but economist, you lost me when you get, when you're saying the other stuff because there's a point where optimization is done. You've you've got your spending in control, you're tracking, that's it, fair. you know what your budget is. Yeah. You can't make it better. And for a lot of people, they've got their income, that's their income. I don't want to go side hustle the extra 40 hours a week when I'm not working to try and make more money. Uh, right? but I want to make I want to make smarter investing decisions along the way.
1: Well, but maybe somebody feels that making smarter investment decisions is going to take up 10 hours a week. That's a good point. And there are a lot of careers where you can grow the career with more time invested. So I agree with you on this optimizing your spending, but on the income side, you can totally invest more time and create more income. Many people can. Yeah. You actually bring
0: up a pretty interesting point there because I think, I'm definitely guilty of spending way too much time. I had a Twitter conversation today about whether technicals for individual stocks are important or not. And I think we all agree they're important, but I spent way too much time trying to learn what they are, and I still don't understand. And I still don't know if I can ever use them as a valuable metric to make a stock pick because at the end of the day, you're picking individual stocks. So you're right. Instead of all the time I spent doing that, maybe I should have got an extra training course or you know, done something different that could provide more income. But you didn't right. want to. So, yeah, I didn't want to. And that's why, again, what do we always say, right? Personal finance is personal. So good point. Accountant, what do you think?
1: He's pissed off. He's been pissed off since we started. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's
2: got his since favorite beer. chirping him right away. <laughs>
0: He's got his favorite beer.
2: How mad can he be? <laughs> You're saying I'm pissed off? <laughs> I'm not. Why would I be pissed off? <laughs> you guys are killing me. This was so much more fun in person. It was. So I think the caveat that we need to tell people is the whole show from this, we started arguing in our text conversation like we normally do. And I put an immediate halt to it. And I said, no, we need to argue on the show for once, rather than all
0: getting to the show being in agreement. I think it's working. Yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> Let's not call it an argument. I think we're, we all have intellectual discussions where we don't have the same point. <laughs> yes, there we go. I think we can just safely call it argument. Since I instigated the text argument, I'll continue the argument on the show here is that once you've worked hard and you've established your habit and you've got some serious investments, like we all agree that the first 100K of liquid investments is incredibly hard to do and everybody should be super proud if they get to that number or when they get to that number. And different choices start opening up along the way. And I agree with you guys, if you're set it and forget it index investor, You can tune out of the rest of the show. Yeah, you can go back to the beer part. (laughs) Go (laughs) re-listen to the beer part. (laughs) Yeah. My point is that my journey has, because I'm interested about this stuff and we talk about it and there's a community that I'm involved with, the FI community online, whether it's through, you know, Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, which I don't use, but you know, there's people to banter with about this, other than, uh, than myself. And I don't want to make it sound like an echo chamber, but there's just lots to learn. And I enjoy that part of personal finance. Right. So anyway, I found that as you move forward, there's a different stage that shows up, right? And and one of the ones I wanted to bring up is that every time I see new investors post things about well, what about what? What about my withholding taxes?
1: And I've always kind of said. So you're jumping from step zero to step seven. I'm, but I'm not. <laughs> well, where? Well, okay, what's in between? When does changing the way you buy foreign stocks make a legit difference? What does your What do your foreign holdings have to be? Well, answer me that question then. No, you're you're the one who's I'm. No, no we we, an, we, uh, we answer our own question. Not when it. Comes to the you did the research and I didn't.
0: <laughs> well, so you're just asking the question of what, exactly what I was getting into. Okay.
1: When's it? When's it become important? I'm thinking. Well, okay. I'm thinking when you've got six figures in you in foreign holdings. Yeah. Well, okay. When you have six figures in total holdings, aren't there other options that open up to you before you, we have to get into withholding tax? Okay. Like? Well, real estate investing, right? I thought you were going to go there at some point. Um, No,
0: I'm sticking with market investments first.
1: (laughs) Because I think that's later on. Honestly, honestly, I think that's later on. Okay, so if we're talking 100 k in U.S. holdings, we need $350,000 in liquid holdings.
0: Well, you're putting words in my mouth now. I'm saying at 100K VUQT, you've got 30K, 30 to 40K in U.S. holdings,
1: right?
0: Plus you've got, I'm just pulling these out of my head. I I don't know what the international is, but you've probably got 10 in international or whatever it is, right? Let's just say you've got probably around, what is it, 25, 75% of your holdings are international that are subject to withholding taxes. Okay. Can we agree on that? 75 grand? Sure. Right. So at some points, there's a drag on your portfolio. Yeah. But at what point does it matter? I'll take that one. Let's
2: say you have 100K and it's in a fund like that. And it's paying you distributions of what? Maybe one, one and a half percent. So you're maybe getting, okay, 2%. You're getting $2,000 a year in distributions with a 15% holding tax. That's not entirely optimized. I don't care.
0: (laughs) (laughs) you're mathematically, you're right. But at what point do you start to care? At what point does your investments motivate you to re to optimize them for those losses? Um,
2: I'm going to go ahead and say that if you're just holding index funds, and you want a million dollars in VEQT, never, it's not a concern for you.
0: So you're okay with leaving that 0.3% drag on your portfolio? behind
2: yep absolutely because if you're just holding veqt you're you're in it for the simplicity you're not i think the point that you start worrying about withholding taxes and things like that is when you're picking individual stocks and you're tailor making your portfolio a little more yeah i don't disagree
0: with that but what's what's the quick math on 0.3 on on a mil 3k at a million dollars you're willing to burn three grand yep
1: absolutely Okay. Fair enough. Economist. It's not nothing. It's not nothing. It's about three grand. It's not nothing. (laughs) 100K. How many times do I have to drink from that many? It's not nothing. (laughs) But at 100K, it's 300, and that's pretty close to nothing. Well, okay. But this is where we get into the problem.
0: I think for a lot of people, simplicity is 100% the best thing to do. I I agree with you there. I'm not going to argue with that on the, But within the fire community the fi community this this community of hyper optimizers people get into the weeds on this stuff and if they want to that's okay like it's not nothing no, there is exactly. something there to get yeah but I, I agree with you guys it's like maybe that takes 5 hours of your time maybe it takes 20 hours of your time how are you doing Norbert's Gambit to get into US dollars? How are you rebalancing your portfolio? Are there, How are you managing this? Are there costs associated with it? I want to disagree with you guys in the sense that there's gains to be made and it's important if you think it's important, but I agree with you in that I haven't got there yet. I clearly don't have enough invested that I care, that I care about that little bit because my times are valuable.
2: And this is the big problem that I have is I see a lot of people start focusing on things like worrying about withholding tax or a 0.2%, 0.3% drag on their portfolio. And the amount of time it's going to take you to learn how to optimize that problem, and you're not going to get rid of the drag. It's maybe you take 03 to 015 is, can you learn to invest better and get better returns? I think that's a better stage of investing to get to than worrying about the crappy, like I see so many people worried so much about withholding taxes and little things like that, that don't move the needle as
1: much as getting significantly better returns would. I think asset allocation between registered accounts, like in RRSPs, that's a pretty simple way to do it. If you're doing individual stocks. And it's going to have a way
2: more significant impact on your portfolio, Right, way more significant.
0: Yeah, and because I'm dropping something for you guys to put in the show notes, and I regret ever finding this article. (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) You know, it's actually, I think this is actually, might be a white paper, and I don't want to admit that I read white papers, and I definitely Uh don't want to advertise who wrote this white paper. It'll be in the show notes, but I bet most people with a couple guesses could guess what it was. And I just going to sum it up a little bit, it does totally talk about foreign withholding taxes, how to estimate the hidden tax drag on U.S. and international equity ETFs. And it goes into great, great detail. Let me tell you, I started scanning, started reading, and it is actually really interesting. And they do a comparison of whether you're holding it in your RRSP in a taxable account or if it's in a TFSA or RESP and they do some math in here so if you really want to get into the weeds on this by all means please do and and then you get a better understanding of you know what you can how you can mitigate it if that's your decision or how it all works right so a lot of people don't realize that if you're at the place where you're in taxable accounts now it's okay. You can recover those withholding taxes. You, and you may need to restructure your portfolio depending on where you are at. And this is where the stages of the journey is kind of something that you know was something that was rolling around in the back of my mind when people are thinking about optimizing this stuff. And I really want to dig into what the account brought up about other assets. So go ahead, let's finish off this section and then we'll grab another beer.
2: I was just going to say that whole optimization in terms of people who are worrying about withholding taxes and that kind of drag, the drag that's going to be more significant to figure out is making sure you're putting distributions and interest into your tax-free savings account, that you've got eligible Canadian dividends in your taxable account, that you know the type of income and the type of gains you're receiving are properly allocated into the proper tax accounts is a way more significant impact on your portfolio than worrying about the international withholding taxes. 15% of 2%. Exactly. Like the math is small when you do the math. 15% of 2% or you've got a 25% tax rate as opposed to a 50% tax rate on income coming in. Like those those are way more vital to worry about.
0: Do you guys bring enough beer to do a two beer episode of your favorites?
1: No, but I got a <coughs> tall cat. I got a flat buck ready to go.
2: <laughs>
0: Wicked. I'm going to the beer fridge, boys. You served it up very well, accountant, right before we broke off our final discussion about withholding taxes there. And just to sum up before we move on, was if you're going to be all in on indices, and there's a thing I want to bring up at the end of the show about that, is that that's, that's your choice. That's totally fine. This is an individual journey. Pick what works for you, right? What I've experienced, and I'm not sure about you guys, but the stages of investment, the stages of the journey to FI to me is that it was a lot of hard work getting the index funds, getting the habit built. And as things start growing, you start realizing that there are other opportunities when you can take on a little more risk because you've got a nice baseline built already. You know, your index and and you're safe. You've got your core portfolio and that's that's a nice thing. You can start looking elsewhere. An accountant you brought up that there may be other ways to generate higher rates of return than your typical indices give us a couple examples
1: uh, may i step in oh please absolutely tontines
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 i just poured a beer ah.
1: delicious that must be for joel <laughs> for and for kevin <laughs> for kevin oh Good on you. We're we're all 19 again, apparently. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, that hurt.
2: Okay.
1: You got anything else to count besides uh, <laughs> complaining? Before, the aforementioned. Uh... Well, I literally just pulled out poured a fresh beer and then had to chug it. So give me a moment to
2: recalibrate. <laughs> um. Well, we already talked about the RSP secret with Kevin. That's another way to do second mortgage lending that it's going to take some research and you're going to need to learn a little bit, but you're going to do better than the S&P 500 average has been for the past 80, 100 years. Uh, Real estate investing, we know you're going to get better returns there. With sweat equity. Sweat equity, if you're going to do it right. There's also opportunity to invest in businesses without having to run the business. A lot of local small businesses need financing. They need people to back them up. And if you know enough about business, there's opportunity there to get outsized returns, other private lending. I'm just spitballing here now entirely.
0: Yeah. No. And you're you're making a good point though, is that we often don't look at local opportunities or opportunities that take some time to figure out. And This is where I'm talking like the stages of your investing journey is as when you're further along and have your basis covered per se, you can kind of go, all right, I have a little bit more time to learn about this investment, a little more time to research this investment. Now I can reach out to that community and have a conversation about it because I think a lot of us, and I definitely felt it myself, at the beginning, you feel very alone and you feel like an imposter you feel like you're not welcome into the club or the clique or the the, the real estate investors or the private lending investors it's and the nice thing about the fi community and anybody that's listening that's not doesn't reach out to other people in the community it's very inclusive and it's everybody that i've met is very willing to share And there's some fantastic people that will teach you everything you ever wanted to know about real estate without selling you anything. And there's people that will teach you about private lending without selling you anything. And these are the kind of things that if you're interested and you want to learn more as you move forward, you can start doing some creative things. And I'm, I'm careful how I say this because I don't want people at day one, to think that this is automatically available. I think you've got to put in some hard work and some time. What do you guys think, economists? Well,
1: not only that, but you need capital, capital. in a lot of these cases. That's right. right? A lot so, of these. Yeah. So day one, it's not an option for you. That's right. That's why I'm saying there's stages to your journey. Right. And we've covered and, stage one and stage 87. And now, <laughs> yeah. now now we're filling in the gaps. <laughs> now we're filling in the gap. I think the other thing that's what important was eighty-seven. You what never? is 87? The uh Norbit's gambit.
0: That's not that's not 87.
1: <laughs> 52. Close. It's close. <laughs> the answer is I 6. I think the other thing that's important to mention
2: the answer is always 6. I think the important thing to mention is that you don't ever have to leave stage 1.
0: No. Right. To, yeah. If you totally. want to throw all
2: your money into an ETF, and instead of learning more about investing, you want to learn more about gardening because that's how you like to spend your day, is you want to be in the sun in your yard having a good time, you can still get where you're going. Uh, People talk about a lot of different investing that is quote unquote very risky, but it's risky and you hear about people going broke when that's every penny they have and every penny they can't afford to lose is in it. When you have a solid foundation and your deck falls down, you still have a house. It's a big difference if you have a big solid portfolio, you know what you're doing with the base of your portfolio, you know that you're going to ride market waves and you're dabbling in private lending over here and maybe some options over here and some real estate over there.
0: Yes, Mr. Mechanic, (laughs) you don't like this? No, I love that we're on video because if we were in person, I would have been doing the same thing. Is mm-hmm. Dabbling, I think, is the wrong term because we've talked a lot about whether it moves the needle or not. I think a significant part of your portfolio could go into different places.
1: Right. You can move it to different places. Anonymous? I'm still waiting for the uh, accountant to finish his point before you interrupted.
2: Yeah, he's good at interrupting us, isn't he?
1: See, because now I don't even remember where I was going. This is his most interrupting show of all time. I've been learning from you, economist. <laughs> yeah. That's, I'm just here for uh, entertainment purposes only.
0: Aren't we all? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: I think that's, I mean, we come back to this all the time, though, that you can take a flyer on things. I don't even want to say a flyer because you're right. It's not dabbling. I have what I consider a significant chunk of assets that I trade options with. Right. But I know how to control the risk. I know what my downside is. You have a plan. I know what happens if the market tanks 75% and that part of my portfolio is wiped out. I have a plan for it. And that part of my portfolio is the best performing part of my portfolio. So until the day it completely blows up and dies, okay.
0: But I also constantly pull my returns out of it and put it into safety. No, and that's perfect because... You're taking a risky investment or speculation and realized gains you're putting into safety, which is building your foundation or adding to your foundation, which is important. But you've also spent some time to get there, get to that level of learning about doing that, right? And again, it comes back to we're interested in learning about these things and doing it. And I think that's kind of one of the things I was thinking about too, is that if you have interest, there's a lot out there that... We don't know. We don't even know what we don't know. And if I'd said to you that getting 12% returns consistently was easy to do, you would have said five years ago, you've been like, not possible. No, you can't do it. But we sat down with Kevin and we listened to what he was doing and he is now on his way. He's fire. He is now going to be not living in Canada for a while. And he used time to educate himself on how to use an asset class to get outsized returns within registered accounts and and uh, taxable accounts. And it just goes to show that all of us are able to do that. It's just whether we want to or not. Do we want to learn? Do we want to take a little extra risk? You can. I personally, the reason this is means something to me is because I don't want everything in the market. I want diversification, not I want global diversification in the markets and I want diversification in my assets. Mm -hmm. And if you get to a million dollars in VEQT, you are not diversified in assets.
2: I think the other thing that's important if we're talking about your investing journey, at the start of your investing journey, it probably is a 4% rule. Maybe it's a 3.5% rule. That's what you can draw down on your investments. But it's not a 4% rule for me. I don't believe in that at all. I think it's probably more of a six, seven, eight percent rule on what I think I can reasonably generate from capital. And the big difference is if you need 40K to live off of and I need 40K to live off of, I've spent so many years educating myself on how to get those returns that I can have $500,000 in capital and you might need a million. I'm just saying that's that's the numbers, right? If you both need 40K and I can generate 8% returns and you're going to rely on four. The math still backs up for if you're just going to sit it in that, but if you're willing to put in the work and do the learning to figure out these other methods of getting returns, it really changes your numbers and it changes, I mean, the whole thing at the end of the day is risk management. That's what everything is. It's risk management.
0: Totally. And that's personal. So this is just our opinion and your personal risk is what it is, right? I, I totally agree. But I think with education... Yeah, and I'm, I'm not trying to sound like a jackass being like, oh, I can get <laughs> 6 or 7% returns, but... I think you mean jack wagon. Correct, jack wagon. What do you guys think about this statement? Because as I learn more, I understand about different asset classes, investments, risks. It gives me confidence whether they're going to be okay or not. So therefore, I can... Accept that level of risk for a higher return because I understand what the risk is. Economist, isn't that what do you think about your journey? Is that something that you're, as you
1: build up, it works for you, or what do you think? I'm a gambler.
0: Yeah, I know. So
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm always willing to take on the risk. I
2: was going to say the exact opposite. And I was going to say that I am now more willing to take lower returns to have some foundational pieces of my portfolio that are there to secure the blocks of that portfolio.
1: Whereas before I would have never, I wouldn't even have considered owning a bond or paying down debt. That's interesting. And I think that's maybe not a virtue because I'm definitely the same way. And it's what delayed my start, I would say, because I was looking for bigger bigger chunks. So I think one of the foundational pieces to your journey is being willing to hit singles right yeah take yeah get your money in the market right and do it as soon as possible and you can get rich going the other way but also nothing can happen for a long long time yeah
2: nobody ever went broke hitting singles
1: that's right
0: yeah we're done I've got a sip left. Tontine. (laughs) Twice in one.
1: (laughs) I guess that's the end of the show.
0: That's about it, boys. We'll uh, catch you next time on the FI Garage. Thanks for making it a
1: four-beer episode, guys. That was real nice. (laughs) (laughs) Go to YouTube, subscribe, and comment. See you next time. See you next time.